This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Monday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Seattle Mariners winning the series two games to one. They are still currently in fourth place, 12 and a half games back from the New York Yankees. However, still in sole possession of that third wildcard slot. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at Cushman MLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. Hey, buddy. Uh, this is this is going to be a good show. Uh, we're starting to get good again. This is starting to be, uh, you know, a turning of the tide. So this is... Uh, this is fun. I like this. I hope we keep it up. Still three games above 500, so we'll take that after being down uh, eight games under. Also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Joe Goddard. How you doing, guys? I'm looking forward to talking about this West Coast swing. We did it. We made it through 10 games or nine games on the West Coast. Uh, we managed to watch all of them, despite the fact they start at an ungodly hour, and some of them ran almost five hours. So if you, if you hung in there for all of them, congratulations. We're going to break them down for you now if you did not. It was definitely uh, a brutal trip. I'm doing the math in my head now. So the Red Sox were 24 and 27 when we went out west. We were three games under 500. And the West Coast, terrible for us, historically. Just, we do not play well out there. We went 8-2 and two on the West Coast. Should have been 9-1. to one. We'll, we'll get into that shortly. Um, where can they find you guys on Twitter, Charlie? Uh, you can find me at Smith underscore MLB. And Job? And you can find me at J-O-B-M-L-B. Terry, another couple series like this, I'll start re-accepting job applications. <laughs> Things are looking good I was gonna for ask. the Red Sox as they get home. Here we go. Right on. 
Yeah, and uh, let's see. We've got we're going to open up against the um, Oakland Athletics, so that should be a you know a pretty winnable series. We just swept them. Um, pulling up the schedule right now, and then we've got three against the St. Louis Cardinals. That could probably be a tough series, and then. We've got three against the Detroit Tigers. So Athletics, Cardinals, and Tigers on this next homestand. We've got to put a bunch of wins in the bank because last series of the month is Toronto, which is at Toronto. Not going to have Tanner Houck for that one. You also won't have Chris Sale in the bullpen. And uh, go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, so those next nine games that we're playing, they're actually all away. We just... um... Uh, are, are, no, excuse no, me. I misspoke. I misspoke. They are at home. I That's apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. My and, apologies. So we got, we close out the month with a three game set in Toronto. As I was saying, right. no Hulk, probably no sale by that point. And we could have probably had sale in the bullpen at that point, because apparently they're going to, they're going to go bullpen with sale rather than rehab starts. And they're going to ramp him up that way. Then we've got a three-game cupcake series to start the month of July uh, against the Cubs. And then you have four straight series against the Rays and the Yankees. So you got them each at home, and then we've got them each on the road. And then the All-Star game is the 19th. We're going to know if we're a bona fide playoff team by the end of that stretch against those two teams. And we cannot win games against our division opponents. We've played very bad against them. Job. Well, it, it looks a lot worse than it is now that you look at some of the guys that are headed to the injured list. I'm sure we'll break it down as we get into the show, but a couple of highlights, Garrett Whitlock, Nate Evaldi, both going to have quick stints on the I.L., uh, as well as some other guys. So there's going to be some spot starts. We went from having five starters, maybe four starters, depending on how you look at Whitlock, to now three starters, including the ace of the staff now on the IL. We're going to have to manage some of these games pretty close. Now that that uh, A series no longer looks like we're going to have two certain wins, maybe just one. So we're going to have to break it down as we go, but it's going to be tough sledding here for a little while. We'll, we'll get into that series in the final segment. Also, Kike Hernandez out uh, indefinitely. He's probably going to be on the injured list longer than anyone. So um, that's my biggest concern uh, going forward. But all right, let's uh, just go ahead, get into the series. Red Sox win game one, four to three. All the games were pretty close throughout the series. But Job, game one. Who is your top gun in the lineup? I can't believe I'm saying this. It'll be the first. I promise it'll probably be the only time I ever say this. But we're going to go with Robert Dahlbeck. And I am upset that I'm choosing him because he's a minor league player. Does not belong in the big leagues. I've been pretty consistent about this. But he went two for four. Did have one strikeout, which is par for the course for him. But he did have a big fly and an RBI. It really gave us the lead for the first time in this series. And I think it won us the game. Even though we scored again after that fact, went up 4-2, to two, uh, we did give up 
a run after that. We finished the game four to three. When Bobby Dahlbeck hits instead of just the automatic strikeout, the, the team is a lot deeper all of a sudden. So I'm going to give it to Bobby Dahlbeck, and I hate doing it. You know, it's funny because I, uh, it's good to see the kid do well um, because I was very vocal and have been very vocal in the past about the move that we we made and we didn't make. But I'm not going to talk about it for the 13th show. People already know how I feel about it. In a it, row. Nah, I would say in a row, but we, we've talked about it quite a bit. Um, I'm happy that he did do it. And earlier this year, I think his first home run ended up winning us the game. When you look at it for the 10th, the first game of the series uh, against Seattle, that put us ahead. And then we got another run after that. They rallied back for one. So you could argue, you could make a case that Bobby Dahlbeck helped us win that game. Did he win it by himself? No. Did he help? Absolutely. He did get two hits in that game. Um, so, I, I mean, he was the only guy on the team that had two hits, you know? So, an extra base hit never hurts. Even if there's nobody on base, you still knocked yourself in. Dahlbeck did have uh, the only multi-hit game in game one, as Charlie said. That was the go-ahead home run. And when you're looking at a lineup that has Rob Snyder. Franchi Cordero, who has basically fallen off the face of the earth the last couple weeks. Christian Vasquez, Jackie Bradley, and then Dahlbeck himself. One of those guys or more has to step up. And in that moment, in that inning, in that at-bat, which I believe there might have been two outs. Don't quote me on that. There were two outs. There, there were two outs. So it was an absolutely clutch hit. It was Dahlbeck stepping up. So... Had to <laughs> had to happen, and uh, it did happen. So um, good for Bobby. I mean, he's a guy we root for, despite the fact he frustrates the hell out of us. But I root against him. He got a <laughs> Joe roots against him. That's so savage. Um, I root for him because do we win that game? Who knows? You're tied three to three going in extras at that point, um, and that. That Mariners team was scrappy, you know, so we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, let's see, going uh, back into uh, the rest of the game here, uh, Xander Bogarts drove in Rafi Devers in the first inning. Devers was actually on first base, went all the way home on that uh, that ball down the right field line that, that Devers hits. Then J.D. Martinez... Uh, went deep in the third inning, starting to show some power. That was the first home run in several uh, weeks for J.D. Then in the seventh, as we said, Bobby Dahlbeck uh, hits the go-ahead. Jesse Winker actually hit a two-run shot to tie that. That's when Dahlbeck came in to, to put us ahead. And uh, then we got the final run of the game. J.D. actually grounded in to uh, a double play, but Rob Snyder on third base was able to go home uh, on that hit. And uh, that's how the Red Sox uh, uh, win it four to three. Uh, let's get into the pitching, though. Charlie, 
who uh yeah who, whose performance uh got helped get us there uh tanner how to shut the door um this this is going to be the guy who you're going to going all the way back to the 15th of may um you're seeing an incredibly consistent guy one run allowed on a solo home run in the last 19 innings of work that is incredible and i will take that every day as i've said multiple times in past shows every day that ends in y because we i feel are one of the only teams in major league baseball that don't have uh um, forget about the word bona fide closer a closer we really don't know who's gonna close games out and when how came out you're thinking maybe maybe or maybe this is just to get the first three guys and then we have somebody else come out to close it out we really don't know but how had a really really good series and he ended up closing out two of those three i was really happy about it I, I was happy that there was a level of consistency that we hadn't yet seen um this year uh from a right-handed guy um so i'm i'm outside I'm super of john happy Shri- about it come on outside Shri- of john schreiber Shri- hasn't been here all year long fair enough schreiber only came up uh you know he hasn't been here since the beginning of the season and granted Hauk wasn't a reliever at the beginning of the year he was a starter did get converted but uh, you know the sample sizes are, are a little bit different. You know you got twice the amount of time uh, this season in relation to half the time. So uh, Tanner Houck for me just got the job done. Couple innings, um, uh, two saves, just did fantastically well. Couple of strikeouts, two saves. Like I'm that that's my guy. I'm content. Joe, it, it's tough not to be content with what he's given you the last couple of weeks out of the bullpen. Both his sliders are working. And when both the slider that darts down and also the slider that has that horizontal movement um, are working, it's really hard to hit his fastball, which comes in at 96-plus. When he's commanding it up in the zone, there's no one as unhittable as Tanner Houck for three pitches. So it's really good to see him kind of solidify in that role. In fact, when we talk about Game 2, I'm going to bring up Tanner Houck again because I think he should have been ready to go uh, in all three games of this set, not just game one and game three. Well, that ball you're talking about that, that dips down. I think that's more of a sinker and it, it may very well be. I know he's got the two different slider grips right. now that he's with. Yeah. Su- Suarez. Kind of tough to tell the difference. Yeah. Suarez ended up getting goosed on a sinker. The pitch was almost in the exact same spot. It was pretty darn close. And Suarez does strike out a bit, but um, he was mixing pitches I mean, he was. He, he got into trouble there in the ninth inning, right? There was guys on first and second with one out at one point. And then when he needed to make a pitch, he made a pitch. It was really something good to see because in the past, when he needed to make a pitch, it's been a wild pitch. And yeah. uh, that adjustment was great. The, this, the, the game today was just fantastic, and I, I can't take anything away from him. There are going to be some games that you don't always get like a perfect inning. You know, you want to have somebody come out and, and you know, take a clean inning. Or you create the ugly inning, and you have to figure out a way to get out of it. And he did a great job of doing that. Um, impressive to fight through it and get the get us the save and uh, get us a win to start the the little series. There's a reason Dennis Eckersley calls him uh, Cool Hand Luke. He just does not rattle, and uh, I love to. Um, I. He he's one of my favorite players on the team, Tanner Houck. Um, 
Lou Merloni had a tweet earlier uh, in the day. Uh, it was before the game. So he, he says, the Red Sox are 31 and 29 without a closer. If they had a closer, they would be at least five games better at 36 and 24. That would be good enough for the second best record in the American League. Unbelievable. So what he's basically saying is, The Red Sox need to stop screwing around with their late innings, okay? I know we've been calling for Matt Strom, and we'll get into him shortly. Um, Hauk has emerged, you know, with each passing game in the last couple weeks, the last month, really. And the Red Sox need to stop finding creative ways to blow these games, we're, we're seeing with starting pitchers here, they're starting to go deeper. So that's good. We're getting a little bit back to old school this way. We need to, we need to get a little bit more old school with the bullpen and, and have that bona fide closer. And I'm starting to get Papelbon vibes from, from Tanner Houck. You know, their, their pitches are different, but they're, they don't rattle and, and they can own that inning. I want to see more of that, Job. I still want John Schreiber in the closer <laughs> in the closer role. Eighteen and one thirds innings pitched. He's given up nine hits. He's good for a zero four eight whip. One save opportunity, one save, a zero nine six ERA. I still want him as the closer. And I still I'm gonna mention this even though we won the series and I know he's on the I L now, but I want Garrett Whitlock back in the bullpen. And I'm gonna continue to campaign for that until it happens we need our best players to be pitching the most impactful innings not the most innings if you told me that Garrett Whitlock was going to give you six innings every fifth day and he was going to give you two to three earned runs that's fine but he's going to give you six innings every seven days in the bullpen maybe every eight days but it's going to be one run out of those six innings I'll take that instead and that's going to impact the team more than anything is going to be finding a solidified closer and finding a solidified setup guy. And Cora knows it. And I think he's going deeper into games with his starters, not because he wants to, but because he doesn't have a bullpen that, that can win him games. And he's basically saying, well, screw it. I'm going to do what I can to win as many games as possible, despite the fact that this rotation and this staff is not good enough. I, I like John Schreiber as well, but I mean, it, this isn't so much a small sample size on the year, but it's a small sample size for his career to be pitching this well. And I just, I just like him in that seventh or eighth inning role. I just, I just don't want to mess with that right now. I'm with you. I'm a line. If, Whit- if Whitlock was in the bullpen, I'd be okay with it. Because he's not, I think you need your best guy in, in the ninth inning, and that's John Schreiber. Uh, I still like Hauk. I, yeah, I take Hauk over him, too, because Hauk can go longer. Hauk can go for two. Uh, Schreiber, we still haven't um, we haven't seen that. Hauk can do it already. It, what's what's proven is what we, we should do. We shouldn't be testing out and, and doing these dumb little – I hate to say it about him because he has been really good – but why why break something that's not broken? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If Hauk's getting the job done, keep it the way it is. We're winning games. That's what we want. We want to win. We don't want to play, you know, like 
when Joe Madden was in Chicago, having every position player have the ability to play every position, that, that's cute, but that's not, that's not what is going to help us win right now. We need to be smart. We need to be practical and stop playing around. We need to start being smart. And when it comes to stuff, I mean, Hauk is just far and away. He's filthy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's yeah. filth. You gotta, I filth. mean, he might be the best pure stuff on the staff. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't actually dispute that. I think he might have the best pure stuff on the staff for three pitches. But there are better pitchers out there than Tanner Houck, and I think there's better pitchers in the bullpen than Tanner Houck. Well, I mean, we'll see. But, I mean, if they're both pitching well, then that's that's all that matters uh, in the long run. Uh, let's see. Any other uh, decent performances out there? Diekman, not too bad. Uh, did walk one, but basically stayed out of trouble. Hansel Robles pitched pretty well uh, in... Uh, game one, that might have ended up being a little bit of a curse, but um, he didn't allow a, a base runner as well. Matt Strom, a little concerning. Um, you know, gave up three hits, an earned run, only struck out one. He's kind of been, you know, a little bit shaky as of late, so couple of us at least have wanted him to be the closer and um, had a nice run where he, I think, what was it? 16 out of 18 appearances were scoreless, uh, you know, until a couple series ago when he started getting slapped around a little. So um, n- not, uh, not really a bad game for pitching. Rich Hill, four and one third, gave up five hits, two earned runs, walked two, struck out six. So... Just a, a typical gritty Rich Hill start, uh, you know, basically. Any thoughts on uh, the rest of the pitching? You brought up a, an interesting point about Strom. There's still one statistic that Strom, surprisingly enough, is still leading the team in. Does anybody know what that is? Strikeouts. What is that? Home runs allowed. He hasn't let one go. And that's something that we in the past have had an issue with with relievers. So the fact that that Diekman, or excuse me, Strom hasn't allowed one uh, is still pretty sweet. I'll take that. The month of May, he was perfect until the Baltimore game, and uh, then it was it was almost like he got over overtaxed, and he didn't even throw twenty pitches in that game. But after that, it was it was like that game messed with his head because the two of his next five starts. He's allowed a run, not a home run, but he's still allowed a run. Um, I'm I'm hoping it's just like a little blip because this is going to be someone that we need down the line. We really, really need him to be able to uh, t- to keep it going in in a strong manner. Because as far as lefties go, we really need a dependable lefty, and that's someone that I really want to believe is that guy. We need dependable pitchers, righty or lefty. We we don't seem to have that many of them. But uh, it's good to see him keeping the ball in the ballpark. I think it makes a huge difference. I really like that he goes after hitters. I feel like there's two lefties that try to go after hitters on this staff. I feel like Diekman tries to do it as well. But Diekman gets away from it a little bit, where he tries to be too perfect. And he ends up walking a lot of guys because the slider off the plate 
isn't drawing swings and misses the way that he wants it to. And Strom doesn't let that happen. Like, if his slider's not working, he's going to come right after you with the fastball, like up and in all day long in the strike zone, and he'll live with the result. And I love that confidence. That gives me major Pavlovon vibes. The here's right. my best pitch, and you can't hit it. Right. And uh, I'd like to see him in, in the big innings as often as possible. Deekman, Deke, in relation to Strom, though, you just you hit the nail on the head. He's like our new Darwinson. He's walking almost one an inning, and you can't live on that. You and it's can't always on... the leadoff hitter. It's always the leadoff hitter. It's like the U Darvish of relievers. U Darvish has the worst ERA from a starter for the first batter he faces. You guys should check this out. The first batter he faces has the worst ERA as a starter. That first inning is atrocious. And then after that, U Darvish like puts his makeup on and it, it's, it's lockdown. Like insane. Like pure lockdown. But the first batter, there's just something about it. He just can't get it. He's one of the worst first batter pitchers i've ever seen in my life and and might actually be the worst in our lifetime i don't know if there's anyone worse but deekman if he can get the walks down that would be vital because as far as lefties go i'm not taking deekman over strong even right now even with the blips because i don't want to see someone walk two guys during the course of an inning and then he does give up home runs granted hasn't hasn't allowed one in in a couple of weeks i still don't want to play that game one hit knocks in three. No, thank you. Well, walks so. kill you, and I'm sure we'll talk about that when we talk Absolutely. about game two. Absolutely. Walks are brutal. Yeah, we'll actually get into game two right now. Red Sox dropped that one seven to six. We blew that game so many different ways. You know, if, Agreed. If one thing here or there didn't happen, um, we, we might end up winning it. But um, Waka got slapped pretty good for eight hits over four and one third. Uh, he was charged with three runs, walked only one, struck out only three. It was in that first or second inning. Um, Cordero botched the um, the line drive. Should have been caught. His sunglasses were on his in the hat. Second. That was in the second inning. His sunglasses were on his hat, not on his face. The sun looked like it was probably what the issue was. And um, and then that just kind of um, cascaded from there. Uh, Trevor Story also wasn't able to um, snag a line drive. It was over his head. It was a hard play uh, to make. But if either of those plays happen, we kind of get out of that inning unscathed. And then maybe we're, uh, we're a little bit more balanced for the rest of the game. But... Um, not, not good there. Um, Diekman was not great as opposed to game one, uh, two walks, uh, in that outing. Frazier charged with an earned run and then Hansel Robles just couldn't, couldn't get it done. That, you know, that first inning was, was brutal. Um, the bases were loaded a couple of times um there were five different lead changes we had the lead then we gave up two innings two runs each four three seattle's up then we go up five four that's the the third lead change then they tie it back up it's five five we go up six five that's the fourth lead change then they put on a two spot in the bottom of the ninth the fifth lead change that was so back and forth if you want to watch you know hitters do work then yeah that's that's a great game for you 
But if, if you're a pitcher, this was an absolute nightmare. It was the exact opposite of what we saw the night before and what we saw today. Um, this was sad. It was ugly. Um, that first inning, honestly, could have been much worse. I mean, there's a very, very good chance that we could have probably lost that game in the first inning. There's definitely a possibility you could have had four or five runs come across. The wild pitch from Waka, not fun. Um, walked a batter to load the bases again. Frazier's single only knocked in one. Uh, Crawford didn't end up scoring. This could have really gotten away from us, so we're lucky the damage was limited to two. The error sucked, but that's part of the game. And Waka's got to make his pitches. He can't be, he he can't be missing. And this year, Waka's been really good. He's overperformed, in my opinion. You know, Terry, you and I were talking about how we did not really want Michael Waka. Job, all about him. Probably has a tattoo of him somewhere on his body. It was all about, about Michael Waka. I believe it. Left but butt this, cheek. This performance was more along the lines of what I expected from Michael Waka. Not like a fantastic pitcher, just kind of we're hoping to get four innings plus out of him. And uh, I, I wasn't really angry. It sucked, of course. But I was like, okay, this is the Michael Waka we kind of expected. And hopefully next week he writes the ship and does what he had been doing prior to this game. Every pitcher has a bad game. I don't really want to spend too much time talking about Waka because he's been great this year. Yeah, I think from a, a real pure Michael Waka standpoint, I think he entered this game without a lot in the tank. And it was going to be a lot to ask him to go six after a complete game last time out. He still gave you four and a third. I think he could have given you five if he was left out there, but it would have been a real stretch. If Franchi Cordero makes that catch in the second inning, I think it's a whole different game because in the third and fourth innings, third inning specifically, Waka was pretty economical. Uh, he only threw 15 pitches, um, two strikeouts in that inning alone. I was actually pretty impressed with his bounce back. But after that error, he did end up throwing 34 pitches in the second inning. And he just looked like he didn't have a lot in the tank. Coming off a complete game, it didn't surprise me. It's unfortunate that it happened in a game that you would like to win. Especially, you know, you get a three-run first inning with a Rafi Devers absolute nuke um, to right field. And you, you expect to win that game with your probably most effective starter of late on the hill and you just don't get it because Walker didn't have it. Uh, I'm willing to give him that one. I, I really think it it's a product of going complete game the last time out, just not having enough rest. Well, Andrew, I think on the last show did point out that he, you know, he's not a fan of guys that are coming off of a complete game because, you know, there could be a, a little bit of fatigue there. Um, in that complete game against the Angels, um, Waka threw 105 pitches. So, And they were high-stress pitches there at the end. I mean, not early in that game, but he did have to throw 97 to Otani in a one-run game up in the air. And that gets tough, right? You're facing one of the best hitters in baseball. Uh, he did have to face Trout as well before Trout went out with an injury. And... That's a little bit scary as as a pitcher when it's a one-run lead, uh, one-nothing game, in fact. Those are high-stretch situations. It's not a five-nothing complete game. 
Also, uh, let's see. It was four or five starts ago against the Mariners. Not a particularly great start for Walker. The Red Sox did win that game seven to three, but he only lasted four and two thirds and uh, four hits, three walks. So it's typically a team that um, seems to give him fits. So hopefully uh, that had a lot more to do with it. There were some heroics, though, offensively. I mean, the, the offense kept bailing out the pitching uh, to put us back ahead until Robles finally coughed it up. But uh, Rafi Devers, uh, two-run homer early. Um, J.D. Martinez also hit uh, his second home run of the series. So it was a good power-hitting uh, series for him. And... Uh, Dahlbeck again. Was that a home run from Dahlbeck in game two? Yes, it was. He had one in the first and the second game. Okay. Didn't have a hit in the third. Yeah. Gotcha. Over 200 for the season. At this point, he's hitting 203 on the year. That is a high mark for Bobby Dahlbeck in 2022. Actually, that was after game two. He's down to 197. It fell again. Uh, Reality. Didn't even check the post game three stats, but uh, who would have thought? He would crack 200 at any point this season. Hopefully the, the A's will get him. Wink nudge, wink nudge for Heim Bloom if he's listening. I know some Red Sox do listen to this show. Time to trade Bobby Dahlbeck. Well, you got to be willing to make a trade, I guess. Bucket of baseballs. That's all we need. Game two of the series, uh, excuse me, game three of the series, uh, the finale on Sunday, Red Sox win that one two to nothing. I think we know who the top gun in the lineup is for that one, but Job, just in case, who was it? Well, it's going to be the guy that I went to for game two. We didn't get to talk about it because of the loss. And uh, I know in the last show that we did in this format, I went with the the three top guns that maybe people didn't think about. This one was too easy. And it's the guy you think about every day, the league leader in hits, Mr. Rafael Devers, a guy that I think is probably going to be top three in MVP voting, put you ahead with a two run home run in the eighth inning was dynamic uh, in the field in both games, made a couple of good picks and good throws and also just power to all fields. I mean, that the home run in the second game, I know we lost that game, but it was a nuke. And then in today's game, you really felt like if we were going to have to pitch any more relievers in this game, we were going to lose, right? I mean, we'd used everybody in the pen that was available the last two nights. Um, we really needed a lead to shut this one down. And when you need it most, Rafi Devers was there. So Rafi's the guy. Uh, who gets the Top Gun trophy today? Charlie, thoughts on Devers? You're on mute, bud. I just pushed the button to unmute and it didn't do it. Wow, I love that. Um, I love Rafi Devers. He's my favorite offensive player in Boston. And if it's going to be a player to get the job done, it's going to be Rafael Devers. And uh, you, you can't say anything bad about it. I know Job was kind of alluding to that earlier. He had a home run the night before, and uh, he's doing it again. Like, he's Mr. Consistent. He's getting on base. He's drawing walks. Strike out here and there. That's fine. 
If you're hitting a home run, I don't care if you strike out. He did a fantastic job. A fantastic job. Super happy that he's it was him with the game winning hit. Home runs, Charlie. What's he's up? really not. He's not hitting that many home runs. What he's doing is hitting doubles. 14 home singles, runs is a lot. And scoring people from, from first base. Rafi right. Devers leads the league in hits by nine hits. That's not right. insignificant. Before we before we kind of get into pitching, do you guys know which team is leading the league in hitting? The Red Sox. The Red Sox are. Yeah. That's remarkable. Do you know what team is leading the league in home runs? The Yankees. The New York the Yankees. Yankees. Do you know who's leading with RBIs? Might I'm going to take Red a guess Sox. and go with the Mets. The Boston Red Sox. I think it is the Red Sox, yeah. They're leading, you know who's leading in doubles as well. Before Kike yeah. went on the DL coming into this series, the, the Red Sox occupied the top three spots for doubles. It's incredible. Do you guys yeah. know who leads with hits? The Red Sox. The Red Sox. You've yeah. seen a trend here. Like It's <laughs> we're not just place. home runs, guys. And we're in fourth place. We've got the... We're, we've got a, a pretty good starting rotation, at least thus far we have. We're yeah. raking as far as offense, and we're in fourth place. It's just absolutely insane. Yeah. Real quick on that Devers home run, that ball was probably about nine inches off the outside part of the strike zone, and he smashes it over the uh, left field fence. And you could see him kind of watching it go, thinking, no way, is that going to stay fair? Is that ball going to stay fair? And he's he just kind of... He just chucks the bat and goes, I guess it's fair, and he does his home run trot. Just not, not only that, Terry, I thought it was a clear depiction of his frustration that they weren't winning close games. Like He didn't have to go after that ball. He could have gone to first, you know, t- taken a walk. It was already 3-1 at that point um, in the count, I believe. might have been 2-1, but I think it was 3-1. And uh, he could have just passed it on to the next guy in the lineup. And instead, he said, "No, I'm going to go win this one myself." Like Rob Refsnyder's on base, we got two outs. Uh, if I don't go get this one, who's going to? And I, I really think that says a lot about Rafi's mindset. His compete is off the charts, and I love it. He's just absolutely elite. Very few hitters, and there, there's probably maybe one or two more that could have put that ball over the fence, being that far out of the zone. Yeah, one Soto. Aaron Judge from the right-hand side. There's maybe, you're right, maybe two or three hitters. Yes, and uh, let's see. How many outs? Uh, It's not telling me. I want to say there was also two outs. There Uh, were two outs. Yeah. The Red Sox did a ton of damage this series with two outs. So I know J.D., one or two of his home runs uh, early on, uh, two outs. Definitely the second home run had two outs to go up five to four. Yeah. So I just, I said on the last show, luck is a component here. And in the month of April, we were unlucky. We blew a lot of one run leads this time around. We're, we're holding those leads for the most part. We didn't in game two, but go back to the angel series. There were two, one to nothing games there. We won four, one to nothing games in a row or one run games in a row. Yeah. And, that is luck swinging our way, and it's not going to happen all season, but it swung the other way in April, and the pendulum's coming back our way right now. Let's hope it stays our way for long enough to get us back into this race in in a real 
manner because we have a lot of games in July coming up against the AL East, and that's the only division currently that we have a losing record in. In fact, we've got a winning record against every team but the White Sox and then the three people ahead of us in the American League standings and Baltimore. It's a, it's a tough look. Charlie, what was the best pitching uh, performance, the key pitching performance of the third game? Well, this one was pretty straightforward. Uh, this is like, again, like the last show being the weatherman of, of L.A. It was your starter, Cutter Crawford, who I will admit I was very nervous uh, when he was going to be pitching against Seattle because um, I just didn't think it was going to be a, a pretty pretty one after the way that we kind of ended game two cutter Crawford one hit this team, the Red Sox and cutter Crawford combined to one hit the Seattle Mariners five innings, one hit four walks, seven K's almost the same number of balls of strikes 43 to 40. But I mean, just electric did not allow a hit until the fifth inning. And honestly, I think if he had still not allowed a hit in the fifth, he was probably going to go back out for the sixth. He didn't allow anybody in the first you had a walk in the first, a walk in the second. The third got a little hairy, a pair of walks. Fourth went back to normal. Fifth, he got two outs, then the single. Then he got a walk again. Started to get a little nervous because then you got Ty France up there. And he luckily got him to strike out and end the inning. But a fantastic performance. Not a quality start. It was only five innings. But a fantastic performance for Cutter Crawford. I can't say anything bad. The rest of the relievers came out, four innings, no hits allowed, three strikeouts. Hauk again with the save. Great work. Yeah, it's tough to pick anyone but Cutter Crawford. I want to bring up the fact that when he ended it in Boston the last time through, there were a lot of people who were calling to DFA Cutter Crawford for that 40-man spot. I think this was his last shot at the major league rotation or roster in general for the Red Sox. I think he would have been DFA'd if he were to throw a poor game today. He still has a 6.75 ERA after one hitting through five innings this team today. But he earned himself a, a big breather and probably another shot the next time when we need a, a spot start because he was fantastic today. He did walk four hitters, trying to be a little too perfect especially on the outer half of the plate, but we'll take it. Um, we didn't know where Cora was going to get the innings today, and Cutter Crawford said, I've got you, Skip, and uh, went out and gave him five good ones. I don't think this really tells us that Crawford's going to be this viable starter going forward. It was just simply a nice spot start. Charlie and I were texting uh, before the game. And when you're trotting out uh, a lineup that has, uh, let's see what they had today. You know, again, Rob Ref Snyder, uh, Dahlbeck had a good series, albeit, but Dahlbeck, Arroyo, Pluecki, and Bradley all hit in this game in the last four of the lineup. And Dahlbeck, Arroyo, Bradley and Ploiecki, I'm doing math on the fly here, were 0 for 10 today. And so was Rob Refsnyder was 0 for 3. However, he uh, he did get on. How was that then? He he was hit that by was, a pitch. Oh, hit yeah, by a pitch. 
the, yeah, run. yeah, he got hit, and then Devers he's, knocked uh, him out with a two run. Lead the league in a, in a, uh, getting hit by, per plate appearance. Right, he, he's had think- ten plate appearances and two hit by pitches in the last two days uh, of, of games for him. So this is a is trash- that a measured stat? Are they measuring that statistic in? Uh, I think they are. I, I think it. I think it comes from guys who lean over the plate, stick the elbow out. It's now a measured stat. Um, but he's got two hit by pitches uh, in the first game. He got drilled in the back. Nothing you can do about that. This one again. It looked like he. The pitcher just lost control. Ref Snyder took it, went to first, and, and got us two runs to close out this game because Rafi Devers is a god. He's not human, and uh, that helps. But Ref Snyder at least is giving you quality at-bats, if not runs. There are three guys at the bottom of your lineup today that were hitting under 190, and that's uh, well below the Mendoza line. I think Charlie could hit 190. Getting back sure. to Cutter Crawford here, um, trash lineup. You know, we, we've got guys that are dinged up. You've got retreads up from um, Worcester. I still want to say Pawtucket. And the chances of a guy like Crawford not helping us notch a, a series finale win here was very slim, was very slim. And he wasn't especially sharp. You guys have mentioned the four walks. He was getting a lot of strikeouts. At least three or four strikeouts today happened with the batter looking. Seven today. Seven today. Right. And the cutter was fantastic. Three or four of them just froze the hitters. They struck out looking. And so he was able to keep them off balance. And one of the the four guys, the four core guys in your lineup was able to save the day. That was Devers. Um, Martinez, uh, not too bad today. One for three, got hit, uh, immediately after that Devers. Hopefully that he's probably going to have some imaging done on his hand. Um, I'm sure they'll probably wait till they get back to Boston to do that, especially where tomorrow's an off day, but yeah. And then Trevor story one for 11, not giving you much in the last, uh, week and a half or so. So Red Sox, extremely lucky to win. Uh, the series as they did today. Uh, going through it though, uh, the bullpen was uh, was outstanding after Crawford came out. Not one hit was surrendered. Um, Austin Davis did give up one walk, but it was very inconsequential. So um, nice to see today. Tanner Houck got his second uh, save of the year. Um, very low stress outing, uh, John Schreiber, Job's boy, um, pitched a, a good setup role in the, in the eighth inning as well. Um, no, no base runners at all, uh, in the last two innings. Well, I want to give a shout out to Rob Ref Snyder for his catch in the eighth inning there as well, which True. is the reason that Schreiber looked as good as he did. Um, uh, there was easily a, a gap ball for at least two bases, uh, by the Seattle Mariners in the eighth inning, the top of the eighth, which could have easily ch- changed the whole game if Rob Refsnyder doesn't make that play in right field. Uh, so that that's something worth mentioning as well. Terry, you did mention Trevor Story. Uh, some numbers on Story. Everyone, don't get too alarmed. I get it. It's it's early in the season still. In his last 15 games, he's 11 for 56, which is good for a 196 average with 20 strikeouts. 
And in his last seven, where he's slumping badly, he's hitting 143 with a 172 OPS and a slugging of 179. Uh, your very own Joe Goddard here could slug 179. <laughs> that's that's tough. Um, it's definitely something to keep an eye on as we get back to Boston here. I hope he's just run down. I hope that shoulder is the reason for this. He did land heavily on his shoulder and got an off day against the Angels. But we really need Trevor Story to hit like the guy he did in May and not like the guy he was in April if we're going to make a deep run at this thing. Not worried. I'm not no, overly. I just hope it's not a long-term injury. Um, it's something to keep an eye on. I'm with you. I also feel that the story not hitting and going for one, you know, going one for 11 was completely glossed over, ignored because we had players hitting home runs and doing stuff that was just exciting. You got Cutter Crawford, five innings, one hit. The rest of the team, no hits allowed. Fantastic. Bobby Dahlbeck, home run, game one, game two. Devers, home run, game two, game three. Won us the game today. We're glossing over little things like that because we're winning ball games. When we're losing, we're going to pick on the guys that are the best on the team as to how come we're not doing this? Why aren't we doing that? We need to be doing more. Yada, yada, yada. We're winning games. I'm okay glossing over that. I'm with you, Joe. Month of May, please, not month of April. There, there's one thing also to notice about this series. I'm curious if you get you two notice it as well. The Red Sox had five stolen bases in yeah. this series. They also had two bunt base hits in the series. I don't know if they were both classified as bunt base hits or one was a check swing. Uh, but that intrigues me a lot. I wonder if that's Cora. Or if the players themselves are just saying, we're going to make things happen. And I, I love it. It is old school. It's hard-nosed. This team is just, they're ready to score runs. And they're going to pitch up their pitching, they're going to pick up their pitching staff whenever they can. Who, all right, Franchi got the stolen base in the first game. I did, uh, I, I, had, I admittedly. Had Jackie Bradley, Vazquez. Vaz had one, Bogey game. had one. Uh, and Bogey had one as well. Story had one stolen, but Xander hit the ball from 460 feet, so it didn't matter that Trevor Story was already standing on second by the time the pitch hit home. Uh, so I don't know if they counted that one necessarily, uh, but they did have five stolen bases on the uh, on the trip, and uh, four of those were against Seattle. I'll take it. That's uh, that's a lot of running for a team that doesn't normally run. No. Uh, and I'm here for it. I, I want havoc on the base paths. I want to challenge catchers. I want to make guys uncomfortable. And I just I want to know if that is Alex Cora or if that is just the team. And I'd love your thoughts on that before we wrap. Um, it was a different series. I mean, yeah, the the – Stolen bases were up. The the home runs were up. We were 18th in the league coming into the series. So we were kind of winning on, on more anomalies. Ideally, I'd love to steal bags. I don't think we're aggressive enough. You've got Bradley can do it. He's a smart base runner. I think Vasquez leading the league last year was uh, not the league. The team was uh, a little bit more of an anomaly. And I, I think for the foreseeable future, unless Jaron Duran becomes an everyday player, you're going to see Trevor story probably leading uh, the team. But 
I'd love to see them take more chances at it. And with this lineup being a little bit thinner than what it was prior to going out in the West Coast, you're gonna you're gonna have to manufacture some stuff. So, I, you know, I'd like to see it. Agreed. Same. Trying to uh, get some pitching matchups here. Um, I got the first one up. So. Game one, we actually have Nick Pavetta hosting Jared Koenig. Koenig has a 9.0 ERA, and he got tuned at Atlanta. Nick Pavetta the last time out against Oakland, you guys remember it, just two hits in seven innings. That was when I said, Joe, Nick Pavetta and Nate Evaldi are going to be that formidable one-two punch. And I said, totally legit. I think that Nick Pavetta is going to be a beast and feast against Oakland again. And Pavetta will win game one. I see us winning game one as well. I don't think it'll be Nick Pavetta. The reason being is the last time that Nick Pavetta faced the same team in back-to-back starts was Toronto last season at home in July and then on the road in Toronto, back-to-back starts. And he got absolutely lit up in the second start after going five innings pitched, uh, giving up, I think it was three hits and one run. I was at that game uh, at Fenway in July the first time through. When he went to the Rogers Center, they touched him up for six runs in four innings. Uh, he wasn't especially sharp. It's something that I've I've noticed and I pointed out a couple of times. When he sees the same team multiple times in a row, they do tune him up. And the A's have not been a good team this year but they have done a couple of things that scare me. They hit for power. Sean Murphy specifically has started to light it up from the catcher spot. Um, Loriano as well. They do manufacture runs out in Oakland. We're going to win this game, but it's going to be closer than we might think because I don't think Pavetta's going to be an ace tonight. Well, I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm still going to take the Red Sox in game one. I mean, Koenig, <sighs> A nine ERA, like Charlie said, one seventy five WHIP. Atlanta's a pretty robust team. They can they can make any starting pitcher look bad, but they've rattled off ten in a row. Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still gonna take Nick Pavetta in that uh, in that start. And how fresh are the the A's gonna be uh, coming out East as well? Right, Charlie, uh, you're taking uh, Pavetta, I assume. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah, I, I started off saying Pavetta's going to win this one. I, I feel very confident in him. Pavetta's been – he's been really, really good this year. Um, uh, after that first kind of struggle bus couple of weeks to start the season, May was stupid for him. He won four games that month. He's one and one this month. But uh, he pitched very well against the Angels. He did allow four runs, but he struck out 11 in five innings. So – I think he's going to win game one. Oakland is not a good team. I'm sorry. They are not good. And we should very easily win a minimum of two, two in this series. Well, we're going to, we're going to need him to win game one because Terry, you alluded to not having pitching matchups. As I mentioned kind of a little bit, when we first got on the show, Nate Evaldi to the injured list, Garrett Whitlock's already on the injured list. It's going to be a struggle to find innings here for the next couple of weeks. And uh, I think we're going to need seven from Pavetta. Luckily, uh, 
the ESPN site does have Rich Hill going on Wednesday, which makes sense. That'll be normal rest uh, yep. for him. He had uh, perhaps his best outing of the year uh, against the Oakland A's at the start of the West Coast Series. Six innings pitched, three hits, only one earned run, struck out five. He's going up against James Caprillion, who we tagged for four earned runs on five hits. So um, the ballpark isn't quite as favorable for, for Rich Hill at Fenway, but... If the Red Sox can get to Caprillion, I, I don't see why we can't be up two to nothing here. I agree. Uh, Rich Hill has been, you could say he might have had two, two and a half bad starts this season in relation to James, uh, relation to James Caprillion. James Caprillion has not had a good start all year. So, uh, you know, he's had maybe one. That's it. So I'm going to go with the hot hand here. Rich Hill is going to have. Uh, a little bit more firepower behind him. Sox go up 2-0. No pitching matchups. Oh, Joe, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm taking Rich Hill as well. I think uh, he probably won't be as dominant as that six-inning, one-run performance against uh, the A's or against um, the Angels, rather. But he can give you five runs of uh, five innings of three-run ball against this Oakland team, and we'll score more than that. Uh, this Oakland team doesn't have a staff that can hold us down. Yeah. We've got Paul Blackburn going in game three, the final Scrub. game of the series. Red Sox slapped him around uh, on uh, seven hits, four earned runs. He only managed to strike out three uh, Boston batters. We don't have a starter yet. It does list Michael Walker as going on Friday, game one of the St. Louis series. I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually your game three starter against Oakland. And I thought I heard that mentioned on the broadcast earlier. That would be normal rest for him uh, on Thursday. So we'll see. ESPN's wrong a lot as we keep finding out. It's just been a terrible year for the, all those sites with with pitching matchups, I feel like they've been super uh, reliable. Yeah, so Terry, I'm just looking online right now to see who they had pitching on the third game of Oakland. I see Michael Walker pitching on June 17th, first game against St. Louis. Okay. So it doesn't make sense to have Walker pitch. Um, I, don't I agree with that. A- As a former Cardinal, I think that's a setup you also want for Michael Walker, a little revenge piece, as Eckersley would say. Uh, I really think that's going to be a big game for Michael Walker. But in that in that Friday game, that last game of this three-day set upcoming, or Wednesday game, rather, I would really like to see Cutter Crawford get another shot. If we're going to call anybody up, I'd rather see Crawford over Winkowski. Uh, and I well, think on four days rest? Away. Actually, no, that'll be... Uh... That'll be normal rest. Thursday, Sunday, yeah. Monday, Tuesday. No, That's going to be four. One it's going to be short. four days. You're right. It's going to be okay, four so days. In, in that case, it'll probably be Winkowski. Uh, I think Winkowski makes. Houck. But I would say probably Winkowski after a Rich Hill start would make the most sense. Um, it makes me nervous to go Rich Hill and Winkowski back to back. So I'm going to say that the A's take Game Three, just based on the fact the Red Sox are going to be gassed in the bullpen after this stretch of close games. Right, it's not going to be Whitlock, and it's not going to be Evaldi, and it won't be. It won't be. Well, Pavetta, we know we're going to see already in the series. We know that we're going to see 
Hill. So therefore, it has to be Winkowski or Cutter Crawford. I, I, and Cutter Crawford on short rest doesn't make a lot of sense. I would no. assume Winkowski will pitch. It doesn't have him listed as a starter. There's no Red Sox starter listed right now. Unless Winkowski pitched today. What's today's date? And it wouldn't have been today anyway. Um, he is coming off of a pretty good outing against Buffalo. He had seven innings pitched, only three hits, walked one, uh, struck out six. No earned runs. So it was a scoreless seven-inning outing. So I don't know if... Uh, he would be on tons of extra rest by that point. He did get rocked, though, his start before that against Syracuse. Um, only lasted four innings, nine hits, five earned. Um, but that might have been coming off of the um, the Fenway debut. I'm sure it was, actually. Uh, so we'll see. I think I'd rather have Winkowski as well, especially against a lineup like the A's. That's about as low pressure as it can get. So, Job? Job. There is a possibility, based on the buzz, Boston.com and Mass Live are both reporting, there is a possibility that we see Brian Bayo. I would love and that. That would be awesome. Uh, he's 23. He'd be on regular, west on regular rest on Wednesday because he pitched yesterday. Um, so that would line up perfectly for game three. He's got a 247 ERA, a whip of one, and a 172 batting average against with 84 strikeouts and 24 walks in 11 starts between Double A and uh, Portland and Worcester this season. And if anybody hasn't seen this kid pitch and hasn't been listening to our show, I'm calling in the next Pedro Martinez. So pay attention. If he does start on Wednesday, it would be awesome for this team. I, I don't want to see... Bayo come up yet i i know that terry's super excited for two reasons one he owns he's got him in fantasy uh yeah i i just i you know what let winkowski pitch see how long he can go into the game hopefully we'll have some 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 good relievers uh healthy and ready how can pitch game three of that series and you know what blackburn's really he's, he's their best pitcher i think in oakland um, I'm going to go ahead and say that Oakland will win the third game. We still take two out of three. We win the series. We make up a game, um, in the, you know, in our division, in the race, in the race. Yeah. And, and our record. So gaining half a game, if you win every series, you're gaining half a game or two games, whatever I'll take it. You know, I was super excited when I called three out of three out of four against the angels. I think I said we were going to lose the first and win the last three. I got the order wrong. We won three and then lost the fourth. But still, three out of four, I was optimistic. I'm happy we did it, and I, I think we're going to do it again. This this is a no-doubter. We should win a minimum of two games in this series, period. Uh, I agree, and uh, I'm now seeing, based on Mass Live, Chris Cotillo, who's pretty plugged in, uh, it'll be either Winkowski or Bayo. Uh, Winkowski is scheduled to start for Portland on Wednesday as well. So it, it could be either Bayo or Winkowski. It won't be Cutter Crawford on short rest. Something to consider. Um, if it's Bayo, it's appointment viewing, everybody. So if you're listening to this and you see Bayo on the schedule at some point this week or he's not with Portland, keep an eye out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Do you uh, have a start time for that game? For Wednesday's game? Yeah, I'm hoping it's prime time. I do indeed. Give me just one second to pull that up. I've got it up. 7-10, 7-10, uh, nope, nope. It is afternoon 7-10 game. against yeah, 7-10, 7-10, 135. Wait, I, I think if it's Bayo or Winkowski, that would be Thursday, though. 
Uh, Thursday would be 135 a day game against Blackburn. That's not Blackburn. what we want. No. Definitely not. Eight no. 135 starts. Yeah. Um, we, we do have a weekend series with the Cardinals that are all 7-10 starts until Sunday. So we got two 7-10 starts over the weekend as well. Yeah, and then the entire next week is all prime time. So, all right. Well, we will wrap on that. We'll be back tomorrow for another episode of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. So be on the lookout for that. Everybody have a good start to your work week. Take care.